in this Torah portion, uh, as, as was spoken about, uh, we start to see the building of the tabernacle, uh, the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. Uh, they were taught laws, last Torah portion, and now we're at the Torah portion where Adonai begins to introduce them and us to a little thing, a crazy little thing called the Mishkan. And we should all know that, um, being Mishkan David as a congregation. So the Mishkan is the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was also called uh, Hamikdash, which is the sanctuary. It has the word Kadosh in it, Mikdash. And uh, so that's the sanctuary, but the tabernacle, the name is, is the Mishkan. So that's where we get our, our name from. And there is enormous amounts of detail put into how to build this thing. It, it's so much detail that many people will consider this Torah portion quite boring to read. Because it goes into extreme minutia on how to build this thing. The color, the cubits. The materials. I mean, it's an amazing thing. There's so many things in Torah that God, it almost seems that he leaves out details. This is why you often get two Jews and three opinions. Because if you look in the Torah, sometimes you're like, okay, how do I keep this commandment right? And this is why rabbis argue, okay, what, how do you do this? And what, how do you see the new moon? Is there a sliver or is it a dark sky? And, and what day does Shavuot fall on? And all these ins and outs of, of how to keep Torah. Sometimes there's a little bit of, it seems almost missing information. Not so with the tabernacle. Every little bit of information, every little bit and piece seems to be really important to God where he writes it down to the point where a reader may even consider it boring. So why does he put so much specific into how this Mishkan is created? Before I tell you why, I will tell you what the purpose of the Mishkan is. The purpose of the Mishkan is because God's desire is to dwell with, amongst men and women. And it's an amazing thing. God is everywhere. He's already here. He's everywhere. He's here. He's next door. He's in the next country. He's, the world can't is not big enough to fill who God is. He's in space. He's on Mars. He's on some moon that's circling around Pluto, if Pluto has a moon. He's in the Andromeda galaxy. He has boldly gone where no man has gone before. He's already there. He's everywhere, yet his desire is to come down in a real palpable huggable, lovable way. He wants his presence to be on earth, but it's already there, but it's not enough for him to be this, this, this being that just encompasses everything that we can't relate to. He needs to come down in a personal way. It all started with, with Jacob. He put his, his head on a rock. 
and he started to have a vision of a ladder that with angels going up and down. And he woke up and he goes, my gosh, this is the gate of heaven. And, 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 and heavenly things and divinity is, is going up and down and up and down and coming down to earth and back to heaven and down to earth and back to heaven, coming up and down. And he says, surely this is the house of God. So I'm just going to name it House of God, Bethel. And I'm going to put a stone right here. And you realize that it's God. God is, it's not just enough for him to be this esoteric being. He needs to come down to earth and be real. A real, present help. So the tabernacle was the expression of that. It was God coming down, zapping into into creation itself. The God who it says that if you look upon him face to face, you won't live. But that's not enough for God. He needs to come down. He craves coming down, and he wants to be real to us. He wants to be touchable, smellable, huggable. So the tabernacle was the first expression of that. This was the central point, the heartbeat of Israel. The heartbeat of Judaism was the tabernacle because that's where God's presence was. And it was like a heartbeat that beat and his emanation and his, and his presence went forth from that. And if you wanted to be close to God, you came to it. If you wanted to, to, to fellowship with God and praise him or give him an offering, you came to it. And it's often forgotten these days, even for those who are wanting to live a Torah-observant life, we forget the tabernacle because the temple was destroyed. But the temple and the tabernacle was, was a central part of, of the whole thing, of it, the whole picture. It was the heartbeat of Israel. It was the divine heartbeat of Israel. It was the expression of himself on earth. So why does he put so much detail into the color and the material and the length and the width and the height? Because it was a foreshadow of a greater thing. What was it a foreshadow of? You may say it was a foreshadow of the temple that David created, and it was because David all of a sudden had this revelation that, my gosh, God, the God of heaven and earth is living in a tent, and I got a big mansion. Something's wrong. So he had this craving to build God a house. So he built a temple and his son Solomon wound up building a temple. And it was a, it was a greater thing. But that's not just what the tabernacle foreshadowed. Because the temple and the presence of God in this tabernacle was always related to the, to the, to the spiritual state of Israel. And when Israel sinned so greatly, God destroyed the temple. He allowed Babylon to come in and destroy this thing. But I'm convinced that God allows sin sometimes so the one who has sinned can take a step back just temporarily so we can come forward and do something even greater. I am convinced of that. I am convinced that sin is sometimes God's tool to just have you take a step back and mess up so you have the drive to step forward and you wind up going forward greater than you were before that sinful event. And the, the temple was destroyed and it was laid out. But God made a prophecy that the, the latter house is going to be greater than the former. 
So there's like something, something, a promise coming out of this sin where the temple had to be destroyed. And he says the, the latter house is going to be greater than the former. So what happens next? A second temple is built. And that's the temple that Yeshua walked around and, and entered. And, and that's the temple that we know about. It's the second temple that was built by Herod. That's the one that was around during the, 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 the time of the New Testament. And then the people of Israel, his disciples, are looking around. Man, that is some fancy temple. Look at that, Yeshua. Mm-mm-mm. That is one heck of a building. And Yeshua said, that's coming down. Not one stone is going to be left upon another. It is an amazing thing that God put so much detail into a tabernacle that was a temporary thing. Right? I mean, like, first of all, God lives in the tabernacle, so he decorates it like you would if you live in a house. You go to live in a house, you look what's like, like we, we move into a house, Susie now wants to decorate it. Because the owner of the house is like, okay, I want the walls to be this color, I want the table over here, I want a picture on the wall over here. So God's the, he's the, he's the, he's the resident of this house, so he's like, okay, I want it purple here, I want a curtain over here. But if you were going into a house and you knew how temporary it was going to be, maybe you wouldn't put in so much energy to it. Because you knew it was going to, you know, you were leaving anyway. Yet, he put so much detail into the building and all the specifications for something that was coming down. So why did he put so much detail into it? Yeshua found a man, his name was Nathaniel. And he said, oh, there's an Israelite right there. No falseness in that guy. And Nathaniel said, you are the son of God. He said, oh, you figured that out just for me saying that I, I, I knew you? I tell you, you're going to see angels coming up and down on me. Because a greater thing than the temple has arrived. And Yeshua even said, Tear down the temple and I will raise it up in three days. And then they realized that he was talking about his body. A greater thing. But then Yeshua, this, the temple Yeshua, he was torn down because he was put up on a cross and he was killed. But then he was resurrected and now the resurrected Messiah is among them, but only temporarily, only for 40 days. And he goes up to heaven. So how now that the greater thing that the temple foreshadowed, which is Yeshua, is now gone. And he's back up in heaven. But like I said, God's desire is to manifest himself on this earth. And that was the point of the temple. So now it becomes a greater thing again. Because Yeshua from heaven pours out his spirit on you. On his people. So where is the temple these days? Where is the temple these days? You are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. Because God's desire is to fill the whole world with his glory. And he will do that temple by temple by temple by temple. Tabernacle, that is the temple of God. Waving at me. And this is why there's so many 
equalities between the tabernacle itself and you. The tabernacle has the word of God within it. In the ark is the word of God. You have the living word inside of you. The, the ark has the, the rod of Aaron, the proof positive of who the real priesthood is. Yeshua, the high priest, lives inside of you. In the ark, it has a, a jar of manna. Yeshua said he is the manna from heaven. He lives inside of you. It's got the bread at the tabernacle, the, the bread. Yeshua said he is the bread of life. He lives inside of you. It's got the menorah, the lampstand. Yeshua is the light of the world. He lives inside of you. It's got the altar of sacrifice. Yeshua is the sacrifice. He lives inside of you. You are the temple of God. There is, there's questions, there's debate of whether there's going to be a final temple. I don't know if there is. I don't think there is. Judaism is waiting for one. They're waiting for a temple. I was listening to some teachings from some Orthodox Judaism. It's amazing when you listen to Orthodox Jewish teachings how similar it is to the New Testament. It always blows my mind. It shows how the New Testament is so Jewish. I mean, it was talking about the temple coming down from heaven in the Messianic age. It was talking about the Godhead. I mean, so many amazing things. I'm like, oh, that's where it came from. We put our own little interpretations of sometimes of what these things is. Paul, Rav Shaul, came from this environment. The New Testament is such a Jewish thing. So I don't know if there's going to be a temple. I don't think there is because God, in my opinion, does not go backwards. You are the temple of God. And in the end, when it says that New Jerusalem comes down, it says in there, I don't see any temple. It says the Lamb is the temple. But there is a temple in heaven. That it says in Revelation, all the angels are coming out of it because it said even Moses said he fashioned a thing out of the vision, what he saw on the mountain. So it was a vision of a heavenly thing. But on earth, you are the temple of God. You are the expression of God. So the king of the universe, the one who juggles galaxies, the one who's dancing in the Andromeda galaxy and every other galaxy that wasn't discovered yet. Because of his desire to come down and penetrate the natural the world, he has placed himself, the fullness of God dwells bodily in Yeshua. Yeshua, the fullness of God who dwells bodily, dwells within you. You are the temple of God in these days. There is a, a, a scripture in Corinthians that says you are the temple of God, but then it also says, and you must hear this, it says, if you destroy the temple of God, God will destroy you. Now that's humbling. Because like you could say, I'm the temple of God, and then it says like if somebody destroys the temple, God will destroy that person. You're like, okay, that's, that's my protection from anybody wanting to destroy me. But I tell you, it's a charge to all of us to recognize each other as God's temple. 
And when we see that and we see each other and we see him in the vessels, in the tabernacle, now we know why he put so much detail into the length, the width, the height, the color. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So when we come against God's people, we come against the temple of God. Who is he talking about? Is he only talking about believers? Is he talking about everybody? I don't know the state of anybody's spirituality where they are with God. Is he talking about some ISIS guy? You know what? I'll tell you this. The faith has to be the size of a mustard seed. Do I know that some ISIS guy doesn't have a little seed in there? I'll tell you, if there's a seed in there, I don't want to mess around with that dirt. I won't speak a word against him or her. Let God take care of that business. The president of the United States. The Republicans, the Democrats. Oh, I'm not going to touch God's temple. Not going to touch it. If God says, if you're, dis- if you're messing with the temple of God, you, I'm going to come against you. I'm not even going there. I'm not even going there, no matter who it is, no matter where I think their spirituality is. So we look at each other, recognize that the reason that God puts so much detail into how this thing is built is because your eye color, your hair color, your every bit of your shape is all fashioned. He put that much detail in creating you. And that's why there's so much detail in the description of the tabernacle. And that is not boring to read. So, Father, help us to recognize you in your temples. Help us to realize that on night. I'm reminded of why the temples were destroyed. There are two great commandments. There's love God and there's love your neighbor as yourself. So we can argue about the right way to keep Shabbat. But it's loving God and loving your neighbor. That's why the temples were destroyed. Because there was idolatry, number one. And number two, Jeremiah said that the children of Israel, because of how they treated each other, that's why the temple got destroyed. The second temple got destroyed. We don't have biblical writings after the second temple got destroyed. But you certainly have Jewish writings that say, hey, we had yeshivas. We had Torah teachers at that time. Why did God destroy the second temple? It's because how we treat each other. It's because of how we treat each other.
That's why the temple comes down. But sin is always a catalyst for a step forward, a greater step forward. So, Father, we repent for any time, Adonai, that we have, have, have seen the temple of God. We have treated your temple in an unholy way. We repent, Adonai, for saying this one is your temple, but this one can't be your temple because they don't fit into my paradigm of what is right and what is wrong. Help us, Adonai. And help us to know how fearfully and wonderfully made we are by your hand. You put so much detail into the tabernacle because it foreshadows how much detail you put into us because that's how much you love us. I'm reminded that the tabernacle was built from materials that came from Egypt. Is that crazy? From slavery. From where they came from, pre-salvation, that provided the materials for the building of the tabernacle. Nothing was wasted. Nothing is wasted in our walks. Nothing from where we came from is wasted. It's building material. It's building material for the tabernacle. Help us to receive these things, Adonai. In Yeshua's name,